One of the major sticking points of the 2018 budget bill was a corporate tax raise. Lawmakers voted in the end to increase the rate from 22 to 25% for businesses within the highest earning bracket who make a taxable profit of more than 300 billion won. That was a compromise from the initially proposed 200 billion. Nevertheless, the main opposition party, which boycotted the bill, condemns it as going against the global trend, pointing to the Trump administration's controversial corporate tax cut from 35 to 20% in the US. We can now speak with Professor Lawrence Kotlikoff, Boston University economist specialising in taxation and fiscal and monetary policy. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Um, my, my pleasure. Happy to be with you. And the way that this uh, bill in the US has been described is rather a, a lacklustre effort, not uh, entirely endorsed even within the Republican circles and certainly quite fiercely opposed elsewhere. It's apparently going to change corporate taxation in the US. Can you tell us how so? Well, uh, as you mentioned, the proposal has the top, uh, has the corporate tax rate, the nominal rate going down from 35 to 20 percent. The effective tax rate, which is what economists look at kind of after all the subsidies, you know, what, what people look at when it comes to really doing their homework and thinking about whether it's a good thing to invest in the U.S. versus somewhere else, the effective rate is going to go down from about 34.6 percent to about 18.6, which is a pretty big uh, drop. And that should give companies a lot of incentive to invest in the U.S. or also to investing outside of the U.S. So I think we are going to get more investment. I mean, I've put together simulation models of a very large uh, global simulation model that um, I developed with over three years with about eight people. It's probably the best model around, I think, to study this issue. And it does show that the the economy expands by about 5% in terms of output. Real wages are about 5% higher over time. And uh, we have about a 12% to 17% increase in our capital stock. So it certainly helps. It's not, uh, you know, uh, an enormous boost to the economy, but it's, uh, it's something for an economy where a lot of workers haven't seen a real wage increase for many years. On the other hand, there's lots of things in this tax bill which I don't like. It's not the bill that I would have designed. It's very far from it. I think there's lots of giveaways to uh, shareholders of uh, corporations. That didn't, you could stimulate the investment. You could get the effective marginal tax rate down in ways that did not involve uh, kind of what we call uh, just um, freebies, giveaways to, uh, to people that have already invested in the past are in the process of earning money on their past investments, would otherwise have had to pay at 35%. Now they're going to get to pay 20%. That's just a giveaway. That's not inducing them to invest anymore. Mm. So so it has a, you know, I think it's going to adversely affect inequality somewhat less than I think many people, uh, you know, economics in our country, maybe it's the same in Korea, South Korea, very political uh, I'm one of the few economists who is not political. Uh, I think connecting, you know, your your economics to, to your politics is almost uh, giving away your PhD if you've got one. You, know, you have to, you know, it's not appropriate to be uh, taking a political position at the same time you're trying trying to talk economics. Well, certainly, so, this particular uh, question has been highly political here, um, but. 
before we we even touch on that, in the U.S., of course, President Trump has got his stamp on on many aspects of government policy, as one would expect from a president. But this is what he had to say: We passed the largest tax cuts in the history of our country, and many other things. Along with it, tremendous tax reform. People are going to be very, very happy. They're going to get tremendous, tremendous tax cuts. Uh, that's in line with the rhetoric before his election victory, where his promises were for the people at large, for the workers who had been neglected. Um, so, the, the the opposition we're seeing is that more to do with the latter point of what you were saying that that you're not happy. Well, I think the the you know, if, we, if I were just voting on the economics of this bill, even though it's kind of a flawed tax bill, if it was just a tax bill by itself and it was all or not doing this or nothing, I would vote for it. But if you add some of the other things that are associated with this tax bill uh, that are going to impact education uh, very adversely that are going in universities, but also public schools, uh, because their finance, public schools are being financed by state and local taxes, <clears throat> And the deductibility of uh, state and local taxes is being dramatically reduced um, uh, under uh, the likely bill that's coming coming out. Uh, and then you also have uh, issues with health care and uh, people that are not covered by employers or by, or by the government. That market is going to be um, worsened because of some things in this bill. So I would, you know, if I were a senator, I would vote against, or a member of the Congress, I would vote, uh, House of Representatives, I would vote against the bill, given all the things that, have, uh, that go beyond the basic economics. Uh, I think what the president said about this being tremendous, 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 uh, uh, he's a man with no, um, uh, you know, real understanding of, uh, <clears throat> precise understanding of, um, of, much at all, and uh, saying things that aren't true, uh, I don't think help. Help. I think the public is looking for the truth, not hyperbole. And it's not the case that this is the biggest tax cut in history. It's not the case that this is going to be doing tremendous, tremendous, tremendous things for the U.S. economy. It's going to do some good, I think, on balance for the U.S. economy, but uh, nothing uh, remotely like what he's describing. Right. Professor Kotlikoff, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your impressions initially from Boston University. My pleasure. Anytime. Um, It's worth pointing out, according to Moody's, corporations are sitting on a $2.3 trillion mountain of cash. Those with a AAA credit rating can borrow for 20 years at 3.5% interest, apparently. So it's not like... um, they were desperate for cash, some of those bigger firms, before this tax cut. But just to be clear, the Blue House here has responded to criticisms by insisting that while we're going the other direction in Korea, the actual tax rate levied on companies in 2013, to look at comparison of figures here, apart from the nominal rate, was 17.1% in Korea. That There we go up to 23.3% in the UK, 23.2% in Australia, Um but also the same in the US, 23.3%. So um, the, the point being that Korea has had some catching up to do. Let's bring in Jim Minervy, Productivity Growth Program Director at Grattan Institute, an e- economy think tank based in Melbourne, Australia. Thank you very much for joining us. Great. Thanks for having me on. Um, and maybe just to place it in context there, what's 
Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull's corporate tax cut plan all about? Does it have any similarities with what we're seeing in the US? Look, it's a much simpler proposed reduction in the headline tax rate from 30% to 25% that would be phased in over a number of years. There aren't the kind of large changes to the treatment of depreciation um, or the, you know, the dynamics of a one-off, uh, if you like, amnesty for all of the all of the cash that's held offshore that you see in the in the Senate plan in the U.S. So it's a relatively straightforward proposed proposed cut. How badly could it hurt the country, though? Um, while, while of course we may see some of the same benefits if corporations play their part here, but, um, for example, to welfare, is there a problem there with health and education or other areas like that being hurt? Yeah, I think the challenge in Australia is that we're running a modest structural budget deficit, and while you can make quite a strong economic case for shifting the tax base to a lower company tax uh, take and an increase perhaps in the goods and services tax... The government doesn't have that in in its plan, so it's planning just to let bracket creep, the effect of inflation, rising nominal incomes, basically push up uh, income tax revenue. That will take time, and so there will be a hit to the budget uh, of about just under half a percent of GDP in the short term once the tax cut is, is phased in. And that will shrink a little bit because I think it's realistic to expect economic activity to grow a bit. But there'll still be about a five billion Australian uh, per year hit to the to the budget, and so um, what we've recommended certainly is that any shift to lower company tax rate uh, should be done in conjunction with a really explicit increase in other taxes, uh, so that so that people understand that we've had a shift in the tax mix. But that doesn't seem like it's a hugely popular move, though. P- people generally uh, only celebrate tax cuts when they affect ordinary people, don't they? Yeah, I think that's fair. And there has been a lot of scepticism about this proposed tax cut. The government hasn't been able to get it through the upper house. Um, it's going it's to keep trying. It, it's, at times it looks a little half-hearted, but um, you know, they've got some solid economic basis for the proposed uh, re- reductions. But it is a, it's a difficult sell when you're simultaneously trying to tell people you need to cut um, spending or increase other taxes to balance the budget. It's a very tough sell because at least for the first five, possibly ten years, the hit to national income is actually uh, it, it actually pushes national income backwards because you're giving a tax break on all of the capital that's already been invested by foreign investors, and you know it could take. We estimate maybe seven or eight years, but it could be longer before the boost to income comes through that increased capital stock. So it is a tough sell to tell people, look, we're giving a tax cut to foreigners. You're not going to see any benefit as a community for, you know, let's call it five or ten years. And I think that has um, that has limited the receptiveness of the of the upper house, certainly to this proposal. Yeah, it seems like a, a brave political move anyway to be drawing this i mean we're seeing a completely opposite move here with the government actually raising corporate tax from 22 to 25 percent is that a dangerous move i i'm not necessarily expecting to be an expert on on the korean economy but given global conditions how challenging they are for many developed countries do you see that as being a particularly brave move on the opposite side of things yeah well just put 
putting aside for a moment the issue about the short run, if you like, the demand effects or the macroeconomic, you know, stimulus effects of a, of a tax increase for a moment, I think the trade-off that all high-income economies face is that as long as you've got um, the risk of significant capital reallocation, whether it's a nominal one in the sense that companies just decide to have their income, uh, you know, recognised in a lower tax jurisdiction, uh, or whether there's a real economy effect where the capital is actually moved, um, there has been a push towards lower company tax rates in general. But, you know, to the extent that if if you look around the world, I mean, the average... um, Company headline company tax rate is still for, for, for high income economies is still in that uh, you know let's call it twenty five percent range. Mm. You know there are very few up at thirty, and you know let's assume that they've got them about right. A small change above or below that quote unquote optimal level shouldn't make too much difference, right? You've got these trade offs, and we are talking about think- businesses who make a taxable profit of more than three hundred billion won. So uh, these companies are not hard up for cash. Yeah, look, and I think a number of governments have tended to say we've got an attractive domestic market and therefore the extent of, if you like, capital flight is perhaps relatively modest for that group. So you see some of the metropolitan economies of Europe as well with relatively high company tax rates because they're confident that uh, companies will still want to access those large markets. And you know, potentially career is in that category. And then the other complementary policy that you can begin to look at is, you know, steps to try to manage the um, the tax haven problem. And yes. some of those things can be, they can be done internationally through the base erosion and profit shifting, you know, program of the OECD. And then there are some steps you can take uh, unilaterally as well. So it, it, to my mind, um, you know, the the idea that there's a kind of a cliff face around either side of some supposedly best company tax rate. That's false. But as you've noted already in the program, there has been a tendency for many economies to engage in a kind of race to the bottom uh, to, to, towards lower tax rates in this in this global, global competition for capital. Yes. Um, well, let's hope we don't lose too much business as a result of this. Jim Minifee of Grattan Institute, thank you so much for offering us not only an Australian perspective, but also your own views on what's happening here. Great. All the best. Thank you again. You too. Um, and let me ask our listeners, uh, if you're wondering about the local economy, maybe you've got a perspective that you want to share with us, um, how we can try to force companies to be more responsible without having to look solely at taxation in order to make sure workers are getting a fairer deal. It, because all the the talk we've heard is it's the mid and smaller size companies that are the ones struggling to, to pay wages. Pound a sharp 1013 for 51 per message.